Well, hello there, wonderful teachers. I want to invite you to an event we're doing this summer. It's in Cincinnati, Ohio, so you have to be able to make it there, but it might be worth traveling for if you're able to. It's happening on July 20th and 21st, so that's over a weekend, and it's going to be the best two days for teachers. We're going to have a ton of fun. We're going to learn a lot about pedagogy and creative teaching and business. We have two fabulous guest speakers and we're even going to finish with an optional Kaylee. That's an Irish dancing party. So I hope you'll be able to join me. Just go to vibrantmusicteaching.com slash turbo that's dot com slash t-u-r-b-o 24 the numbers two four. I hope you'll check it out view all the details there and I hope to see you in Cincinnati in July. On with the episode. Vibrant, vibrant, vibrant music teaching. Proven and practical tips, strategies, and ideas for, for music, music teachers. teachers. You're listening to the Vibrant Music Teaching Podcast. I'm Nicola Canton, and today we're talking about supporting piano parents of students with additional needs or neurodiverse students. Welcome back, lovely teachers. So if you saw the title of today's show, it is a little bit tongue in cheek. If you haven't been here before, I sometimes use kind of playful titles to make a point. The title, if you missed that, was Special Piano Parents, which special needs is maybe a term that's falling out of favour a little bit when it comes to students. And definitely we would never call particular piano parents more special than others in our studio. Every single piano parent is special because they all have a child in our studio. So what I'm really talking about today is supporting piano parents in general and the specific things that parents of students who parents of neurodiverse students, students with additional needs, students with learning difficulties, things to be aware of that are particular maybe triggers, worries for them and things we can do to support them because sometimes they do need more support and it's not because those piano parents are special. It's because they have been treated a certain way in many cases by education, by extracurricular activities and we need to kind of do some extra work to combat that. So to me, this is all about developing relationship with parents of neurodiverse students. It's all about that relationship piece. They need to trust us and they need that more than most other parents in our studios might need it. I do highly recommend that you go and read the article that goes along with this episode. So it's on the Colourful Keys blog if you're not there already. And the article there was written by Rosemary Penner. And Rosemary actually is a piano teacher now, an online piano teacher. But she studied special education, I think, as it was then called in her university days. And she worked in special ed and now she teaches piano full time. So really interesting perspective from her. I'm just going to give you my thoughts on how I've tried to bridge that gap and help parents of students with learning differences, neurodiverse students to really trust me build a relationship with them in my studio so that I can teach their child music, which is the goal. The first step, I think, is to let them know that they're in the right place. And I think this is one that many teachers struggle with because they feel underconfident or a bit like an imposter when they talk about teaching these students. 
especially if they don't have a degree like Rosemary. But the thing is, most of us don't. Most of us came into piano teaching from various different paths, but it often didn't include specialties in all the different diagnoses that might come across our studio desk now. That's why sometimes I feel like we can not mention neurodiversity on our websites or in our marketing materials. And if we do, or if we talk about it with parents in one-on-one conversations even, we can be quite cautious and end up sounding like we're putting them off joining our studio when that's not actually what we want. So I think we've got a fine line to tread if you don't have experience with a particular diagnosis that's coming to you from a parent. I think we want to be honest about that. I don't think we want to pretend that we have experience we don't have. That isn't right at all. However, I think we want to be careful that we sound like we're going to try and like we welcome this student. That's the word I want to really get across to you is welcoming because we can be so cautious that we get across that we don't have all the answers because we feel underconfident ourselves but we want to help but we have this conflict going on in our heads and we can be so concerned with that that we come across as actually we will take you because we're obviously not going to exclude people because that would be immoral but I don't really want you here. I know that's not how you're feeling I'm just saying sometimes things we say come across that way because we're so cautious. I do have a page on my website where I talk about additional needs and things like that and what we do to help those students and how much we welcome them in my studio. If I am having a conversation with a parent, I can now say that, yes, I have experience with all these different things. Here are the tools that we put in place and we mostly are going to get to know your child, see what they need and work with them. But we have lots of tools in our tool belt ready to go so that if it's needed, That's what we'll draw upon. As I say, I didn't always have this experience. I don't have a qualification in this area. If you're in a position where you don't have that, I think you can be totally honest and just point out that you haven't experienced or worked with a child with this particular diagnosis before. Let's say it's ADHD, but that you've read many articles about different approaches to it or you've watched a webinar, whatever's true. This is the approach you're thinking of trying and that you'll involve them in the process and get to know their child so that you'll adapt it to suit them. And you can also talk about the fact that you adapt all your lessons to each particular student. Nothing is a cookie cutter approach where you're just going to insist that they conform. You're always going to go in a way, move in a way that suits that student. This is really the beginning of my second point, which is to have open and consistent conversations starting at day one. So this is where you may need to set aside a little bit of extra time once you take on a student with a learning difference or anything like that so that you can contact their parent a little bit more in the beginning, have more of a high-touch relationship at the start. I don't think this should become that you spend all your time for free for this family. I don't think you need to go to a weekly meeting with the parent or something in addition to the lesson that you're not paid for. I'm not talking about anything that extreme, but I do think we need to stay in regular email contact with them, start the conversations and maybe in some cases have them sit in on the lesson so that they can help you out and give you ideas and insight into how things work for their child in different circumstances. Because here's the thing, the parent is the biggest expert in that child. They are 
the one who knows what makes them tick. And they have seen them in these different educational circumstances. They've seen them, how they react, maybe not in person, but secondhand at least. In school, they know what their teacher says. They know what's advised from therapists, etc., etc. So when you come on board, you're maybe a small part, but you're part of that educational team. And so you need to know what approach is being taken in school, what is working in other areas, essentially. And if you start with that open conversation with parents, that's where you can start to build that relationship, ultimately help yourself because the parent knows a lot of information. So you need to start chatting with them from day one so that you can be successful with their child. You also need to understand the parents' goals. Kind of like with adult students, when I talk about adult students, I talk about not assuming that just because they're an adult that they actually only want to play pop music or something but making sure that you actually understand their goals. Because I've had adult students who want to go back and take piano exams. And I've had ones who are only interested in classical music. And I've had plenty of adults too that really want to play pop songs and sing along with them. And it's the same with this circumstance. Now you're talking about a parent and a child here, probably understanding both. But if they're on the younger end, you do want to understand the parent first of all, and what motivated them to sign up for lessons. And again, don't assume Just because their child has additional needs or learning differences or is neurodiverse, that doesn't mean that they're not expecting certain things. Yes, more often than with other parents, they will say, I just want this to be a release. I just want this to be pure fun. And I understand where that instinct comes from. But they also do want progression. They also do want them to go somewhere in most cases. So you need to understand what their goals are. And some parents will be honest with you and tell you if their goal was actually about finger dexterity and that it was advised by a therapist. And we definitely don't want to make promises in that kind of area because we don't have that kind of expertise. But we can say, okay, well, maybe this will improve. The main thing then is going to be the regular practice because they need to be using it in order to develop it. But I have seen it improve in many, many children. I have known who couldn't write, like their school had basically given up, not in a bad way, but given up on them writing by hand and had chosen to let them type because that was going to be more beneficial for them. And yet they learned to play the piano quite well. The motivation does affect things there, but that's sort of a tangent. The main thing is to understand the actual parents' goals. So don't suggest any of these things. Just go into it with an open mind and ask them what they want from this for their child. Now, one thing that I learned from Rosemary's post and that I'm definitely going to be implementing in my studio is to explain right up front to parents that when an off day happens, you'll work as a team to figure it out and that you're not going to give up on their child. This, I think, from Rosemary was really powerful because these parents, and I have seen this aspect of it firsthand, I just haven't thought of saying it right up front in this direct way as Rosemary sort of talks about. These parents have often experienced many circumstances where people do give up on their child, where their child is essentially excluded, even though no one wants to say that's what's happening. As I say, I have heard this from parents myself in various circumstances where they feel like they have to constantly be fighting for their child to get what they need and what is fair. I think this is a great idea from Rosemary just to say right from the start, listen, I understand students with ADHD, students with ASD, that he may have an off day 
and that that might be because he's tired. It might be because of something in piano. It might be because of something that happened in school or it might just be random. If they happen, here's what we will do. Like, I'll call you into the room or we'll just switch to doing his favorite activity and just spend the lesson time together that way. And I'll let you know what happened, but it never means that I'm going to kick him out of my studio or suggest that he find another teacher. Off days happen and we're going to ride those waves together. Another tip from Rosemary, which is something I've done, is to create videos during the lesson. So don't go spending all of your waking free hours <laughs> creating tons of videos. And this is something you want to do for across your studio. But just record your lessons. Now, as I mentioned earlier, Rosemary's teaching online, so she just turns on the record button. But you can just set up your phone. You can set up a simple camera, a webcam, whatever's handiest and record during the lesson, add it to wherever their parents can access it, a shared Google Drive, a Dropbox, or the Tanara app, or another practice app that you use. Those videos can be super helpful for the parent to know what's going on, especially if the student has trouble committing things to long-term memory, just can't digest the information until they've heard it lots of times. The parent can then get involved, even if they don't play music themselves or anything, sort of replay what happened in the lesson and discuss it with their child as well. Now we talked about off days before and it definitely is something that might happen but it's also something we want to try and avoid. So when you do get them try and decide why it happened. Try and uncover why things happened and again you can talk to the parents about this get some guesses from them. But it can be because something changed in the environment, like something is different in your lesson room and it's caused them to be distracted by it or upset by it. It's caused an extra sensitivity, like there's extra light in the room and they didn't have that before and it's it's just bothering them in a way that it might not a neurotypical student. Or there's something about the activity you're actually doing that, that upsets them or they find too challenging or too easy. Or there's something about the level of expectation. So sometimes we need to take a slower approach or a more incremental approach is really what I mean. Breaking down steps because honestly, I feel like this is because of everything else in their life. It's not like, and this is not expert. This is just my opinion, right? Not an expert opinion, just an opinion. But I have seen this happen. I feel like it's because so much else is really challenging and you're so used to not being able to do the thing that's expected of you, that when you can't do something instantly, it is more upsetting than for the average child, say. Sometimes we need to break goals down more. We don't need to expect less ultimately, but we need to break down the steps more so that they feel successful to a greater degree at every step of the process. And when you do get those upsets, because they will happen sometimes, reassure the parent, Let them know you understand, you just want to help their child to be happy and to enjoy music and that you understand that these things happen. You're happy to see them next week. So those are a few tips from me. Again, try and check out the post from Rosemary over on the Colourful Clues blog. She has some great insights for you and I hope you enjoyed my take on it too. Your one thing of the week is to think about which one of these you might not be doing so far in your studio, whether that's letting parents know they're in the right place, having enough conversations with new parents, understanding their goals, 
or reassuring them about off days and upsets in the lessons. Pick one of those and put it into practice. I would love to hear what you thought of this episode. Please come find me over on Instagram at Colourful Keys or in the comments under the article that goes along with this episode on the Colourful Keys blog. I'll see you next week. Vibrant Music Teaching Membership costs less than the price of one lesson each month. That is totally worth it for all of the courses, games, resources, downloadables, printables that you can get access to as a member, as well as a fabulous community support you'll find inside. Go to vmt.ninja and become part of the revolution. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Vibrant Music Teaching Podcast. I hope you loved it and I wanted to pop on here one more time to remind you about our event. It's happening in Cincinnati this July and you can get all the details at vibrantmusicteaching.com slash turbo. See you there.